1: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
2: It's the in It's the fighting.
3: in. It's the in it's, it's,
2: it's the fighting. Clock. Oh, that was really interesting, mate. Yeah.
3: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined, as ever, by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And by our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hi, Nathan. Hello, Windy. We're going to call this Season 3, Episode 1, although... It kind of feels like it's it's still a bonus extra special thing. We're, we're going to come back to a studio near you soon, but we are back on Skype again. And apologies if there's any kind of uh, noises in the background. It's absolutely roasting hot today. Um, I, I was going to record with my fan on, but Nathan said it sounded like a plane taking off. So instead, and my God, am I questioning my life now? I'm sat here in my underwear, with my feet in a ceramic plant pot, which have has water in it. It's, it's very surreal. And Nathan, you've had to keep your window open, so there might be some road noise, but it's just too hot to, to record otherwise. We're coming here off the back of Spurs winning 4-1 against Roma in the the first major friendly game um, of, of pre-season. Pretty impressive performance, Nathan. What did you make of it? Uh,
1: yeah, my life is a mess, so I was up till 5am watching it. Uh, <laughs> so my memory's a bit foggy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't observe it that particularly well. Um, but, I mean, I, I mean, it's a pre-season game. There's only so much you can uh, read into it. Obviously, um, Lucas was very impressive. He looked like he was operating at... Um, a different tempo to everyone else on the pitch I, I tweeted at the time that he looks like he's match fit already um, I don't know if that's actually the case or or maybe it's just that his his style his natural advantages um just make him stand out in a pre-season context
3: yeah he's he's super athletic in the way he moves um and, and he, he kind of glided up the pitch in a, in a number of um on a number of different counter attacks in in that game, and I was I was really impressed with Lucas, because his his use of the ball was good. Like you say, he looked he looks really fit. Uh, but there were some other impre- impressive performances as well. Um, Llorente scored a couple and and generally looked a lot better than he did at times last year. I thought Aurier had a had a good game at right back and Luke Amos, who was making his first start for the for the first team, um, very impressive in a holding midfield role, which you know arguably isn't even the role he was playing for Stevenage on John last year. So so that was good. And we had a question. From uh, Joel Calixte, or I think that's right. He said Amos was a complete revelation, and Gazaniga may actually be better than Vorm. What are the chances of game time, in your opinion? And I, th- I think we have to say exactly what Nathan's just said, which is this is a, this is a preseason friendly that it means very little. And Pochettino is always very quick to downplay um, any any results or performances in, in preseason. He sees it as simply a case of getting match fitness, but. Amos seemed to sort of be quite excited about it. They did a post-match interview on the on the Spurs website and he, his first words were, you work hard for this kind of opportunity. So for young players, it is seen as a big step, even if it's pre-season, to get that first game. What did he make of Amos, Nathan?
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with him. I thought he handled... Um... A a difficult well difficult ish given it's preseason, but a difficult role that maybe isn't his, his primary role very well, was was pretty tidy, was very, very active, which is sort of what you can expect from a from a young player uh in in, in pre season because they are trying to take the opportunity, whereas the more senior professionals are just sort of, you know, taking it as it is. Um yeah, it's interesting that that, that Skip came on and played as more of a central midfielder and Amos stayed in defensive midfield when I I mean obviously I don't watch anywhere near as much youthful as you do, but I would I would normally have those players the other way round. What 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 did you make of that aspect?
3: Yeah, that was interesting and I, I in a, in a sense I would say Skip and Amos are similar in that they are both primarily box to box players, I, I would argue. But Skip as the the younger you know, seventeen, he's, he's three or four years younger than Amos, I, I guess that was to give him that freedom and, and to not put too much responsibility on him in, in the holding role. Um, and, and why move Amos at that point in the game where he, he's doing a good job? So it, it sort of made sense sense to me. Um, Amos was very very tidy. For those that don't know Amos, he's he's always been someone who's not been that well. I mean, not well known because uh, he's not been hyped. But he's always had ability. His problem was. His, his growth was, he, he's been small for pretty much his whole youth career. He hasn't built muscle quickly and therefore it's been a struggle for him to play um, in central midfield in under-23 or under-21 as it was originally matches um, until recently. So he was ended up playing at left-back a lot for the under-21s which I thought was a, a misuse of his abilities and, and probably actually did him a disservice in, for, for about a year. Um, but last year, like I said, he was on loan at Stevenage, did a really good job there. Their fans said he was one of their best loan players they've ever had and they really warm to him so I'm kind of hoping that he goes on to either have a league one or a championship loan this year um I mean I've said this before but I think our most of our youth players are at a level now where they could step into the first team surrounded by other first team players and not look out of place and that's not to say that they deserve first team starts or even squad places, but I think they can certainly hold their own. And I would say the same of Will Miller last preseason and Anthony Georgiou, um, neither of whom I see, if you, or, or Le, Le, uh, Will Miller's now moved on, but Georgiou, I don't see a future at, at Spurs for him. But they're both more than adequate at just kind of coming in and they can they can more than hold their own because they are at a level where their ability is is good, and that goes for most Spurs youth players now. So no surprise to me to see Amos do well, but it was it was very pleasing still. What did you make of a diamond formation, Nathan?
1: Uh yeah, it's another thing where you don't want to read into it too much. It might just be that um, he felt that suited the particular personnel when i when the when the light lumps came up i thought it'd be more of a a four three three. but um you often see a lot of swapping between those two formations because essentially all you're moving around is <clears throat> the the front three um i think that there will probably be quite a lot of um formation experimentation going on uh this summer because i think Pochino doesn't know what his formation is going to be because he doesn't know what his um, squad is going to be. I think that um, it's going to vary so much on, on what happens with Alderweireld or and whether or not we get a potential replacement
3: for him. Yeah, I totally agree. I, th- I think you're quite right. I think he can't be set on a formation as yet and, and he needs to have that flexibility. So, so Bardi, you haven't seen the game, but we played this um, diamond in midfield with Amos holding Ericsson to his left and Sissoko to the right, both kind of giving freedom to break forward. And then Lamella just behind Llorente and Lucas. I mean, Urente was hu- slightly higher up the field than Lucas, as you'd expect, but Lucas certainly had that uh, that freedom. Um, and it, it seems to work quite well. So we'll go on to talk about transfers a little Although there's not a lot to talk about still. The window closes in two weeks, and yet we've made no signings yet. Uh, Russell Green, Russ Green 8 says, What are your tactical expectations from Poch this season, and how does that affect our priorities in the transfer market? 4 3 3 and 3 4 3 as the options make central midfield the priority, surely. Does Grealish have the required physicality to do what we need? So Grealish is the one transfer that does seem still likely to happen. Um, that that rumour hasn't gone away. Bardi, do you think he's got the physicality to, to do what Ross is saying, and that is to play in a 4-3-3, play central midfield in a 4-3-3 for us?
2: Um, you came to me once again with a question that I can't answer, That's because I haven't seen enough of Grealish, so I'm not sure about it. Um, I don't know, I, I've got a funny feeling Pochettino's, Pochettino's tactics will, will depend on what happens in the next two weeks. I still think we're, we're, we're lacking a proper centre midfielder, I'm not sure... If Wanyama has recovered, I I don't have faith in Wanyama. I didn't see yesterday's game, and I think a lot of that will depend on on him and whether or not we can find that central midfielder. Do I think that could be Grealish? I I don't know. I would I'd be very concerned about putting so much faith in Grealish. Wanyama wasn't
3: actually involved yesterday. Do you know why that was, Nathan?
1: Uh, I think there was, he was on the injury sheet. Hmm.
2: Okay. This is my this is my big concern that. We're relying a lot on Wanyama refining the form that he did in in our last season at White Hart Lane because last season he was a a shadow of his former self and at times when he played he was a liability and he didn't suit our system. Um, Dembele as we saw in the World Cup against France, especially even though Pogba does seem to have a kind of um, jinx over him. I, I just don't see him being our main guy anymore and I'm really concerned about central midfield. Are you worried generally about the lack of signings, Body? You, I mean, there's this kind of hysteria building in, in Spurs' social media world. Um, the hysteria, hysteria, to be honest with you, I'm finding it quite funny. Um, clubs are always g- going to take the mick, Cl- uh, supporters of other fans are always going to take the mick when you're not signing but if you look around at the signings being made by Arsenal, by Liverpool, they're signing players in key positions like they need a goalkeeper, they need a midfielder, they need a forward so they've made those signings, I still think the spine of our team is is good enough We our forward players are in some of the best in the league, our defence if we keep Alderweireld is great and Hugo Lloris despite the occasional ricket he makes and maybe not being the ultimate kind of sweeper-keeper and distribution, he still remains a World Cup winner, still remains a great goalkeeper. So I don't think there's a huge panic there. As I said before, my panic is central midfield, but I, I have faith that we will address that. And I don't think we'll end up with a, another kind of Sissoko signing. I think we've grown beyond the panic buys now.
3: But do you not worry that even if we are not signing players on the last day, say, or or, or, or in the last couple of days, do you not worry that we've still left it too late and that they can't be integrated into pre-season, into Potch's methods... The fitness levels have to be at a certain standard. They have to learn
2: our pressing routines.
3: Does that not concern you?
2: Yeah, that is a concern. I mean, I think this season we're going to have, uh, Lucas is going to have a breakout season. I think in moments last year, he looked great. And then the fact that he didn't go to the World Cup, he's had proper training and he looked sharp. I think Lucas is going to add something totally extra to our team. And yeah, I, I am concerned. When Pochettino signed his contract, he spoke about getting the business done and the players in early. So he's been let down there by by the chairman for sure.
3: Nathan, what's your perception of of why it's happened this way?
2: Uh, I I'm kind of leaning towards
1: the idea that there maybe isn't that much to do for Spurs. I wrote um <clears throat> I wrote an article at the beginning of the summer and I listed seven items on a to do list. Um but sort of the bottom half of those are really a much lower priority. Um, One of them was either um, sign the to a new contract or move him on. And we, we signed him to a new contract. So it feels like that was very much um, an active decision that was made. Whereas with with Sonny's new contract, um, it was sort of obvious that we would want to keep him and it would just be an elongation. It feels like that was the Lamella situation was very much up in the air. And I think that him being signed um, sort of puts a bit of depth into the squads, even if it also maybe looked like it was already there.
3: I tend to agree and I think when Bardi made a, a very good point just now that he expects Lucas to have a breakout season I sort of feel the same for Lamela I know it's he's been at the club for five years now and we've said this before yeah. um, but there's something about Lamella. he's he's a really sparky player he's got a lot of attributes that we don't have in other players, i.e. the ability to spot a through ball, his tenacious pressing, Um, actually the way he pops up in the box, certainly at the end of last season in in that Leicester game, he looked really great at riding in the box. Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about with Lamela, and I I was delighted that he signed a new contract um, which will run until 2022 and it kind of upset the right people too, which was an added bonus Mm -hmm. I've got this feeling that Spurs are waiting to shift bodies before they bring others in. And I think it's not just down to uh, bringing in transfer fees. I think it's also partly due to the wage, wage bill. We don't want to end up in a situation where we've got players on the books who we're paying big wages who we can't even fit into our Premier
2: League or Champions League squads. Um... Yeah, and, I,
3: and, and and that's a problem we put we've caused for ourselves in many ways.
2: Yeah, I do agree with that. We have a problem where the dead wood in our team we can't shift because they are literally dead wood, and they've been appalling. Jansen, um, Inkuru, these guys—they've shown nothing which would tempt a um, Premier League team to to make a bid for it. I mean, there's, they don't offer anything, so it's going to be really difficult. And foreign teams know that we want to move them on, and. I think they'll probably end up going out on loan again. I don't see I don't see us making ten million pounds on Janssen or even six or seven on Incuda. I do have this slight concern that we'll end up, like you say, stuck
3: with some of the deadwood, and then lose, say, Rose out of Dembele, who are players that are clearly first-team level players. I, I, that's that's not an ideal position to be in, and it then puts pressure on us to make late signings who who may or may not be panic buys. That's my that's my major concern um, with with the remainder of the window. I I guess the other thing that I'm disappointed in is. I sort of had started to believe that we'd really restructured our scouting and our analytics in in recruitment. And we were trying to find players that other clubs wouldn't find. Um, this whole Paul Mitchell black box thing, I guess, prompted that. But then we, with Mitchell, we brought in this whole team to, to look at recruitment and, and to, to analyse matches. And we haven't really signed any under the radar players since that happened. And it's It's all a little disappointing. Um, And maybe Grealish is one. There hasn't been a great deal of interest in him from other Premier League clubs, so perhaps he, he comes into that category. But, you know, unless there's some surprises, it doesn't really feel like it's panning out that way. We've also seen some youngsters leave and other youngsters be linked with Moves Away. So this week, Rio Griffiths has been linked with Leon And Marcus Edwards obviously hasn't travelled to the States. Instead, he's playing uh, a youth tournament in, in in France over the coming weekends, And Edwards seems set to, set to leave. I mean, from everything I've heard, he and his... People, his his family and his agency are keen to get him away from Spurs at this point, and and who can blame him in many ways? Um, what do you make of that, Nathan? Are you are you concerned about our youth players leaving?
1: Well, I mean, especially those two because those are two of the the more exciting talents. Um, yeah, I I'm I'm slightly worried about Pochettino's sort of um, authoritative stance on, on youth players and and um, just complete lack of interest in in handling the egos of young players Um, maybe that's sort of a generational thing I don't know but um, it's a little worrying it's more than a little worrying,
3: it is more than a little worrying. And we lost Keenan Bennett, who I would say was a seven out of ten talent. He's he's probably he, he could go either way in his career, he could become really good, or he could do nothing. But at this point, he was a seven out of ten talent and would absolutely have been one to keep. Really, um, promising, promising player. And, and you, there are players that you'd let go before him, certainly. Um, so he's gone, we got a couple of million or whatever for him. We've seen Noni Maduke has, has left as well, who was sort of 15, so so a lot younger. We lost Nia Kirby to Crystal Palace the year before, who's a big, big talent. Now it looks like we're going to lose Griffiths and probably Edwards. It's a trend, um, and it stems from not just the lack of opportunities in the first team, but the lack of a clear route so even if you're not getting first team opportunities you want to be able to see that they will come in the future and certainly for these young players they're not seeing that so I think something either has to change in terms of whether we give youth players a chance or our mindset has to change and we just accept that our academy is there to essentially make money and once every five years we'll bring a player through
2: I I don't know I I kind of agree with your last point there if you look at like Man City's famed academy they they're making loads of money from now, bringing in youngsters, sending them on loan, training them up, and then shipping them out. I mean, it's quite incredible. They're shifting youngsters from ten million down to five million pounds across Europe. And if we can shift a seven out of ten player who might make it, might not make it for two million pounds, then as you said, that it's financing the academy. And if you get one Harry Kane out of every five, every every five six years, then losing a seven out of ten player here and there is probably in worth their while it's as you said it's a business model and it's and it's working
3: i don't disagree with that i just also think there's a missed opportunity there in terms of backfilling the squad with with talent like i said i feel like there's a lot of players that could just step in and hold their own certainly to the level that Nkudu has um as, a, as an example um and and for me there's a missed opportunity there
2: well in, in Kudu barely plays he maybe got a few minutes here and there in the champions league and yeah i, I see what you mean there's an argument two and four but if if you've rated yeah, I know you, you really rate the height, the the youngsters and if you've only given him a seven out of ten then I kinda see why we got rid of him for two million pounds. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Fair
3: Okay, we'll move on to some questions. Uh, first one from Brian Brian McPee who says, what odds do you give each of Llorente, Alderweireld and Rose of being in the 18 against Newcastle? Start with you, Nathan, and it's sort of... The rationale's different for each player there, but go through them. So Llorente, Alderweireld and Rose, what do you think their chances are of being in our first squad of the season? <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, Llorente's a bit of an interesting, interesting. one with his, his pre-season, but you don't want to read too much into that. I mean, it's just one game. Um I, I, I'm going to talk more generally if you don't mind. I mean, we've got a couple of other questions about the same game as well. I think normally um, the first couple of games of the season, you get quite weird squads and you get quite weird 11s because you haven't finished your, your transfer business. Obviously this season, um, it's all going to be wrapped up before that, but I still think it's going to be a bit weird because I can't imagine us having integrated players enough to to be starting games uh, to be starting against Newcastle. So yeah, it, it might be a bit all over the place. Um, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more optimistic with odds of just simply because he hasn't gone yet. I guess there's, there's whisperings that, that the contract is still on the table. And I mean, it would be, it would be so huge to keep him. It would, it, it would be, you know, obviously the sort of like a new signings a bit of a, an uncomfortable cliche, but he's such a good player and he's so valuable specifically to us and the way we play. Um, you know, it, it's 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 halfway to a good summer on its own if we keep him, and it's it's not a totally dissimilar situation with Rose in that. Okay, maybe some of the stuff he said recently about his 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 mental uh, health issues make it easier for us to forgive him simply because that's morally the right thing to do, um, and sort of closes a door on the past. Um, I guess he's one where where how he performs in preseason matters, and obviously there's only two weeks to 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 sort of demonstrate that he can still be the player he was going back to 2016.
3: Does that concern you that we're going to have so many players returning so late from the World Cup, particularly the English lads so you know Kane, Rose, Trippier, Dyer. Does that are you, are you worried about the Newcastle lineup on that basis?
1: Yes, there's um a tweet I shared a couple of days ago, I can't remember who it was by, but he made a graph out of the the top 6 pre-season training days. And um, essentially ours is by far um, the the most pessimistic looking uh, with all of our first 11 um, missing over half their pre-season. Um, obviously, we generally have slow starts to the seasons and it looks like there's going to be um, a continuation with that. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little worrying that we're going to have a um, an especially slow start yet again when at the end of every season we go, it was a really good season, if only we'd started stronger, we might have had something special.
3: I sort of feel like it might be the opposite. I feel like players will still be fairly sharp because they never lost their sharpness over the summer. But towards the end of the season, we'll have a massive flagging effect where they will just be burnt out come, say, March, April time. Their legs will just go. And I'm, I'm hopeful that you know, we've got young players like Deli, who's who's so fit and, and so youthful and energetic that he can probably cope with it. But the players who are slightly older, the Trippier, Rose, and then obviously if Dembele stays, he'd come into that category with Tongan and Alderbarrell. That's going to have an effect. They they haven't had any downtime. They haven't had that, that break and then slow build up again of, of pre-season training. And I feel like it will hit them later in the season. But the the sharpness they might keep from the World Cup could actually mean that we can start fairly quickly. Uh, that's perhaps me being optimistic. Um, we've obviously got the issue as well as has been well documented that they'll be coming in cold in the sense of that they, they, they've had their England training. They've they've been focused on the way England play. They're coming back to Spurs and the, and the way that Spurs play, and we have a very specific style with a specific type of press um and they might be a little rusty in terms of our tactics do you think that might be an issue issue body?
2: um no i don't think so i kind of agree with um, with nathan's point that these guys haven't lost their fitness they've had um they've had a intense world cup they've stayed match sharp for the majority of the summer and now they've got two weeks a couple of weeks off resting most of them seem to be behaving themselves kane is smashing a golf ball around the place so <laughs> Uh you know, I, these these guys are athletes and I'm not too concerned about their fitness, but I do kind of have a fear, like you said, about them fading towards the end of the summer. Lorente starting against Newcastle always worries me. Whenever Lorente starts <laughs> a, a big game I'm I'm concerned. Um Alde staying would be an amazing thing to happen this summer. And I think as we're getting later and later, it looks like this might happen. Manchester United are starting to get interested in Harry Maguire, so maybe they're calling their interest. And Danny Rose, for me, is a spectacular left back and an even greater wing back. And I think he's key. And if we can keep him fit, keep him focused and playing football, then, then you know, Alderweireld and Rose are two players that we expected to leave maybe six months ago. And keeping them is, you know, that new signing kind of thing. Yeah, that's
3: that's fair. We had a question from Lee H. Bennett who says, how many players do you think we didn't sign because of a stadium naming rights not being sold? So there's been this uh, announcement today about the the branding of the new stadium, which is just simply called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is just so off the shelf and generic, but fine. Um, But some people have been saying that Levy's done what he does in the transfer window with the stadium naming rights. I.e. tried to play chicken essentially with whoever whoever wants to buy the rights and be the last one to blink and that might have then cost us signings. Do you buy that, Nathan?
1: Uh maybe. I think the idea is that stadium finance is meant to be separated from from uh transfer financing, but it's it's still a little worrying. Uh but there's no transfer window or naming rights so we might change in sort of three four weeks time to be you know um the asda arena
2: <laughs> barley do you have any thoughts on on the stadium naming rights um yeah i mean there's a lot of teams in spain and italy that don't have sponsors on their shirts and a lot of the time it's down to the fact that they haven't received the sponsorship offer which meets their demands so if um if levy ha- has had an offer and he doesn't accept it then it's fair enough to keep the um keep the stadium without a name maybe there's been an offer from a brand which doesn't really fit with with our club and our journey and all that kind of stuff of where we're going so it's fair enough i'm happier that we don't have a name there than then we've ended up with i don't know like the pizza hut arena or something so calling it the um, yeah calling it the tottenham stadium for me is not the worst thing in the world it's not but
3: that's a, that's surely just a holding
2: that's a yeah play. That's, for sure that's, that's, that's that, yeah your yeah, name then, here
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
2: We, we, we And he's waiting either for the right brand or the probably the right amount of money. And for us to go forward calling it the Tottenham Stadium is, is fine. I can understand why they didn't put White Hart Lane on it because what, then you just tie everybody in. And if you, re, if you call it White Hart Lane, to then come back and change it again, it's going to break the fans. So he's... Been quite clever. A Tottenham Stadium is a name that you can easily like paint over.
3: I was sort of Riley amused by the fact that they released this article about the branding. and it's just called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Like, really, really, guys. I can't. They're going to release a press release about this.
2: Yeah, well, it's quite important. I do quite like a branding document, and um, I like <laughs> reading how they're going to how they're going to use it. So, I, part my OCD and me really liked it. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. <laughs> uh, we're
3: going to go we're going to go mega deep uh for the last question which is from Nelson Saha. He said,
2: "A tactical one here. First impressions of a new kit. It's the worst kit in my lifetime <laughs> of supporting Tottenham. It's terrible. It looks bad on the players. I mean, normally you get a, a kit like the Kappa kit or the Pony kit and it looks terrible on normal human beings, but <laughs> a footballer can pull it off. No one can pull this kit off. It's terrible. The fade is makes it look like a toothbrush." It's it's not good, and um, I've seen it up close, and I, I don't like the collar, don't like the fade, I don't like anything about it. I will not be buying that. Nathan, are you are you more positive about the kit than Bardy?
1: <laughs> Maybe slightly less negative. Um, it definitely gives a sort of um, shorts up to. The nipples look from a distance, which is uh, horrendous. It might look better in sort of a more casual wear situation when you're a fan and you're wearing it with jeans or whatever. And it might look okay with white shorts, although people have been um, expressing their worry about that. I did a terrible photo shop mock-up to see what that might look like. Um, but I will never, ever buy a Tottenham kit that's got red on it.
2: Yeah, I, I quite like the training gear is nice. Some of the other kind of yep. leisure wear, it looks good. The away kit looks fine. I think is there a green kit as well or did I did I imagine mm-hmm. that?
1: It's only rumoured, but um <clears throat> I've seen it, so yeah, it's real yeah. green.
2: I, I, what how did you see it?
1: I can't tell you.
2: <laughs> okay. But um I the green kit, what I've seen of it looks good, the away kit, everything else looks good, I just don't like the home kit.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm in full agreement. I think that home kit is a mess. It looks like every player's got their shirt tucked in and it's it's not in a good way. Um, and the neckline's terrific, yeah. but there we go. It's only a kit. Who we don't? It's, it's it's not the end of the world. It doesn't matter. The the main problem is still the red logo, but that's not going to change anytime soon. Okay, gentlemen, thank you for this uh, for this quick roundup, and we're going to call it the first episode of the season. But we like I said, we are going to be back to properly preview the season uh, in in a studio and yeah it'll be it'll be a lot more fulsome than this this quick podcast personally
2: I think it should be pre-season one episode one because this is our first pre-season oh oh yeah even though I'm let's, against let's, numbering episodes
3: let's debate this let's debate <laughs> this offline let's take this offline and debate it yes boss right thank you guys very much um it's and let's go and fighting. cool down now it's the fire in clock it's the fight in
2: really interesting mate yeah